Hello and welcome to tonight's episode with my friend Mark, who is a Samaritan listener volunteer. In this episode, Mark gives us an overview of what it's like to be a Samaritan, the types of calls he has to deal with and the support that they provide. Hi Mark, um, thank you for coming on tonight's episode where we're going to be talking about the Samaritans. Um, Mark is a Samaritan volunteer um, and he's going to give us an overview of uh, the kind of service the Samaritans provide um, and we'll talk about the types of support they can offer to people. So hello Mark, first of all, how long have you been a Samaritan for? Just over two years. Just over two years. And can you tell us what, what it's, A, what it's like being a Samaritan and the type of commitment uh, that you have to uh, give to the Samaritans? Being a Samaritan is, um, it's a privilege, really. Um, you, you go on an emotional journey um, with, with your caller. Um, you metaphorically sit beside them um, when they're, they're, when they're having difficult times um, for wide-ranging services, really, um, situations, sorry. Um, sorry, Sean, for the second part of the question. Um, what's the kind of commitment that you have to give to Samaritans? Because for people listening, yeah. I, I mean, people may not know, but the Samaritans is purely voluntary in terms of the listening support. Um, does it Does it have a not only an emotional impact on your life but a practical impact what is the what's the commitment you have to give to being a volunteer yeah. samaritan okay becoming a volunteer you would have to go through um a selection process uh first of all which um currently um would mean that um you you, you sit with a group of other applicants and effectively um you it's a whole day process and it will be, you'll be placed in certain scenarios and, and um, there'll be discussions around uh, morals and principles behind uh, sort of wide, wide ranging uh, topics, um, you know, personal views about prisoners. Um, it could be uh, your feelings and thoughts around suicide. Mm. Uh, and then there's a personal interview process um, if you get through the selection process, then it's an eight-week training period, and and where the training um, covers wide-ranging uh, role-play scenarios, um, classroom settings as well, uh, covering wide-ranging topics through um, around bereavement, self-harming, suicide. Um, and once you are successful getting through the eight-week period, then you are paired up with a mentor. And then for a further six weeks, you're known as like a, a probationary listener. Mm. And during that period, um, you, when you're paired up with a mentor who's a fully trained listener, you listen in on the calls and at the discretion of your mentor um, and yourself, if you feel comfortable as well, then you are allowed to take calls with guidance from your mentor mm. um, once you've completed your mentor training then you're known as uh, a sort of a you're, you're put on sort of probationary period for a further four weeks 
then that would mean that you would only be paired up on a shift with a fully trained listener mm. for further development really so yeah yeah, so it's quite a it's quite a thorough process from the initial selection stage all the way through to becoming a Samaritan listener. You go through quite a thorough process. It's not just a case yeah. of being stuck in a chair and saying, right, you've got to listen to this person. There's quite a lot of training that goes behind it um, and also support ongoing as well. Um, so when you when you first went on shift as a Samaritan, can you tell me... Did you have any expectations on that first shift and what was your first shift like? My first shift, well, my expectations were that um, I was, yeah, my expectations were that I was going to look to rescue somebody or save somebody. That was that was my first sort of expectation. All the callers um, that I was going to have, I was uh, determined to make a difference. You know, I was going to try that. You know, I felt that um, um, every caller that I was going to receive or call that I was going to receive was going to be a, a situation where um, I was going to pull them back from a very difficult situation in, in, in that in that respect and uh, yeah so um, the expectations were, were sort of really sort of centred around that really my first shift mm. and, and my first shift really was uh, that first call um, I was yeah I was really terrified um, I was trying to predict what to say in, mm. in, in, that, in, in the situation. Um, yeah, um, so it was it was it was, a, it was nervous anticipation really that first call, mm. and uh, yeah, my first call I, I can re remember it vividly because it was uh, a suicide in progress, wow. which was which was highly unusual. So yeah, um, and that, yeah many, many volunteers. Um, don't get those type of calls until they're a long way into service or some, some volunteers haven't had that call mm. you know, at this time so um, yeah there was a, there was a lot of uh, emotional adrenaline after that call mm. um, then at the end of the shift uh, I wasn't prepared for the emotional hangover it, it, the, 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 first, the very first shift I did I would probably say 24 hours later, um, the importance, the enormity of that, that call and that shift uh, really hit home to me. So it, the best way I can describe it, it's like an emotional hangover. Yeah. Or if you had a few drinks, it's, it's a heavy-headed sort of feeling. Yeah. You know? And to have, uh, to have that as your first call, that's really... That's really tough and unsurprising that you'd have that uh, emotional hangover. So with you have that as your first call and then obviously you probably picked up a few other calls as the shift went on. At the end of that shift, particularly when you're dealing with a call, as you said, a suicide in progress, do you get any support afterwards? We have a shift leader, which yeah. we offload to, mm. and uh, that shift leader uh, goes through... Um, some detailed training 
and the, the training is really centered around um, how you handled the call but also your emotional well-being as well mm. after a shift mm. so there's a lot of inquiry from the shift leader really to see how you feel mm. um, if you were triggered by any sort of issues that were brought up during the shift and uh, yeah so there's that support and also if there's a sense that you are shaken um, the leaders will offer uh, a call back the following day mm. so you know they, they would say to you look you know I sense you, you, this is quite you know quite difficult for you mm. and um, yeah, most leaders will say, look, you know, you can call me lunchtime as well, just or or in the morning, you know, to talk things through. Mm. And yeah, I mean, so it sounds like there's a good support process in place uh, after a shift, and particularly if you have a uh, a very difficult call like that. Um, so suicides in progress do happen uh, in the Samaritans, and to have it as your first call, wow. On that kind of uh, topic, now you've been a Samaritan for two two years or so. Could you give an overview to listeners of, because you've talked about suicide in progress, but it's not just obviously those types of calls you get. And I know there's a wide variety, but what would you say are the most common themes and uh, that you get from the Samaritans? And just an overview of the types of calls that the Samaritans get, just generally. Yeah, it's wide ranging, Sean. Really, um, it could be through you know, the, the the main areas that we receive calls in are, are through self harming, um, people that are having difficult times with their mental health, whether it's bipolar, um, anxiety, depression, um, relationship um, issues, um, bereavement, uh, financial issues. It can be relationships at work that they're having problems with. Um, young adults that are suffering as well with studying at university, uh, the stresses of, of, of university. Um, we received quite a few calls in from prisoners mm. um, as well. Yeah. So um, quite a few calls during the evening where prisoners are uh, generally finding it difficult to cope with with their sentence and uh, a lot of those calls can be as well that um, they're about to be released as well and there's a lot of fears and anxieties coming back out into society as well and um, I tend to get quite a few calls of that nature it could be also uh, people that are struggling with substance dependency whether it could be like alcohol, drugs, hmm. uh, addiction issues. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's such a wide range of, co of calls because um, our service delivery is that we help to give emotional support for anyone who's, who's um, going through difficult times. It can also be somebody who's concerned about a friend or a relative and they're, they're worried about that as well. Hmm. So... Um, for example, they may be talking to a friend who's, who's expressed views that they want to end their life or, hmm. and they don't know how to cope. Hmm. So. so you can call the Samaritans on somebody else's behalf? You can do. 
but also you can call for yourself as well. So if you have worries about a child and you don't know, it, it, you know yeah. and the Samaritans don't, do, yeah, we, we, we're not there to give direct advice no. about parenting, or, or but we can help um, anybody who's, who's, who's worried about somebody. And also, yeah, you're absolutely right, we can promote the service mm. to that person. So talking uh, about the, because it's a why, like you say, you've given a really good overview of the types of calls that you you deal with. Um, what would you say is the most difficult type of call you've had to deal with, or difficult call in itself? Difficult calls are um, can be the callers that have been involved in some form of sex offences. Mm. Um, yeah, we've got that sort of um, element to the call. Um, it can be quite difficult to sort of separate from their actions to how they are they are feeling emotionally. And they, sometimes those calls, when they explain the actions and, and what they've done, um, it, it can be quite difficult to detach it. It, 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 is, it is quite a... a you need to be trained and skilled in that way to try and detach mm. away from that. So there's we, we do receive, unfortunately, we do receive quite a lot of calls that have a sexual element to it. Um, however, we do get very um, detailed training in how to handle those calls. Yeah. Um, because what we try to do is explore behind those calls um, what the emotional issues are. So, for example, there are certain key times of the day where we get a lot of people that use the service as, as a sexual service. Mm. So they try to um, physically gratify themselves when they call us. Um, we do warn callers that this is not what the service is about. However, sometimes what we what we we are what we are trained to do is try to find out why it's important yeah. for people to come on the phone and tell us that you know and a lot of the times you know they, they, they will look past that and continue what they're doing but sometimes they will come in and say uh well i'm struggling to have any meaningful relationships mm. and then they can sort of deviate away from that yeah so yeah so there are there's even with people that are perhaps potentially misusing the service there is a way of guiding them to concentrate on their feelings and emotions and why they may have called yeah. in the first place and i think that's quite an important important point i think a lot of people who use the samaritans the vast majority of them are calling up because actually emotionally they are struggling um and sometimes you can uh, get them to open up about that um in regards to obviously it's a wide range in types of uh, calls that you deal with and, and you touch there on some of the more difficult side of things which must have uh, an, an, uh, an emotional drain on you but am I right in thinking as well that the Samaritans is 100% confidential? In, yeah, in most aspects unless there's a safeguarding element to the call so if there's um, a view that caller doesn't have mental capacity mm. and they are under the age of 18 but even if they're under the age of 18 they, they do have that unique position that it's it's 
safeguarding's only really sort of flagged if the person who's calling um, doesn't have the mental capacity to, or sound of, of mind to make mm. uh, a judgment about their own, mm. their own well-being. And in, in, in that context as well, we would still need full identifying information. They have to be sort of willing to give us that information about mm. where they live. Because the calls yeah. aren't uh, traced or there's no recording mechanism on any of the calls, is there? No, not at all. And the reason I think that's quite important for anybody who's listening as thinks about the Samaritans is I think sometimes people feel as though it can be difficult about opening up about their feelings or emotions, um, regardless of what, what the topic may be, even if it's something quite sensitive. But like you've touched on, the Samaritans provide uh, a confidential service, so it is very much um, nobody's going to know if you've called them in that sense and i think that's one of the unique selling points of the samaritans um and why they often provide a really key and uh crucial service to people that are are emotionally struggling would, would you agree with that absolutely i mean we we do not insist on a name or do you know where they're calling from you know it's it's fairly uh relaxed in that context really um when I handle a call, you know, I often find that presenting my name just makes that person just feel a bit more at ease. Mm. However, I'm, you know, um, the listeners are not insistent that, you know, the caller gives a name. Mm. And, you know, it's, 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 yeah, absolutely. And I could take calls from all corners of the United Kingdom. So it could be Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales. So it's, it's yeah. Yeah, and uh, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned the word advice, and uh, the Samaritans don't provide advice, uh, do they? Um, and can you give um, some understanding to our listeners as to why they don't provide advice and what their kind of values and mission statement is around that? Yeah, of course. What we uh, look to achieve is through empathetic, empathic, sorry, listening and giving emotional support and just allowing the caller to talk through what's what's challenging for them and uh situations that are challenging for them that uh, you know quite often the callers can find their own sort of pathway and solutions i mean we do have a set of agencies that we can uh, recommend mm-hmm. um if we feel that um, specialist advice is needed in certain areas but uh, yeah it, it really is important because you know a lot of callers um, when they come to us the, the the problem around their life and lifestyles is that they're not being heard mm. in, in so many areas of their life so it gives callers a platform mm. to talk um, and, and to be heard and listened mm. which is which is really valuable mm. and I think some people and of course, you'll have learnt this through your training. But perhaps some people listening will think, "Well, if if you can't give advice, then you know how? What does it happen?" And I think part of that is, I remember when I was uh, a Samaritan, and I learnt valuable active listening skills around uh, summary, clarification, short words of encouragement, all those types of things. So sometimes, actually, getting people to open up about the potential solutions that they 
have in their lives is uh, is a big part of it. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we go through training, we have what's called like a listening wheel. So it's like reflective, uh, summarising, empathic praising, uh, yeah, trigger and trigger emotion words. To, to so what we um, what a lot of our role playing and training is, is centred around is that we could have a caller that would talk about a lifestyle situation, and then they might phrase that they felt guilt or shame. So then we, you know, what we would pick up on is those words, those really strong emotive trigger words, and we would say, you know, t- tell us more about the guilt and uh, what makes you feel feel the shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's called us to explain that more. Yeah, I think that's a really useful skill set. So if you call the Samaritans, you can provide that uh, over the telephone. Can you give us an overview of the other types of methods that you can contact the Samaritans? Because I think people might be quite uh, surprised to know there's quite a few avenues that you can get hold of the Samaritans on. Yes, uh, you can use email. And we are developing a web chat service in the coming months. Uh, we used to have a text service, but um, that's been now taken down through a number of technical issues. Um, but uh, yeah, emails um, we, we, we look at. Um, web chat at the moment is available with a few branches throughout the UK. But um, the branch I'm working at, I know that we are beginning to be involved in that service in the next month or so. And can you... Can you see people face to face? Sorry, Sean. Of course, yes, absolutely. And uh, I've still got my COVID head on <laughs> at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah, it has been a while, but yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say the majority of branches you can have face to face appointments. Um, the branch I work at the when it's a face to face appointment, um, that's up until nine o'clock in the evening. Mm. So it's from seven o'clock in the morning. So it's 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 quite important that we sort of balance the security of the volunteers as well. So it's, we we sort of have it, and when there's you know there's two or three people around. So yeah. So two general questions around the Samaritans and being a Samaritan volunteer. You've given us a really good overview of the types of calls you get. Um, what's particularly difficult? What do you find? most rewarding about being a Samaritan? It's the rewarding part of being a Samaritan is that um, callers show that willingness, that courage to be really vulnerable about how they're feeling doing that bad place mentally. Um, and they can tell you some really sort of private information about their families, um, and also just to make just to make a difference in respect that it's you know just a simple when it's a simple thank you at the end of the call. It just makes you just it's just that sort of connection at the end of the call as well. Um, it's, 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 it's a privilege really being involved 
with a caller that is exposing their, their you know their deepest and darkest darkest moments and also um and also just in in a way that if they they come on the call in, in real distress and at the end of the call when you, you sort of summarize the call and you find out you know what what the rest of their evening or rest of their day is going to be about they're going to step back and do you know do something really positive you know it might it doesn't need to be um something really grand you know it could be something that they could go away and, and you know, make themselves breakfast uh you know they, they, they'll they'll go away from that call um forgetting what their issues and problems are you know for, 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 for that, that moment would you say that you more often than not get a positive feeling from the calls that you receive after a call do you think do you know what I think I've made a difference there majority of the times yeah um, I think it's also a flip side as well if you feel you haven't um, it's always good to reflect to see how you've handled the call maybe there's certain aspects of the call mm. but um, I think as a listener and, and, and as a quality of service what I've, what I've felt over the, the time I've been a listener with Samaritans is that it's not to be overly critical of myself mm. in situations where I haven't I felt that the caller is, is, is still in that same place at the end of the call and you know if I reflect and I felt that I've try to be beside them giving them you know all my attention and emotion you know giving mm. them support emotional support and it still hasn't worked is is not to be too harsh on myself you know mm. It's, it's, mm. I think it's important balance as well yeah and you I, I guess that you'll get some people that will phone up more than once i assume you have regular callers or people that have uh, at least have phoned up a couple of times yes yeah we do get a lot of callers we, we get callers that may have called two or three times that evening yeah some of our um, callers would call and um, they may have um, mental health illnesses and they've been a, a lot of the times we will say that you can call back any time during the day or the evening and uh, they will do you know we they'll call us back um, because we're there 24 hours a day where a lot of the support services, you know, are, are not operational. So we are their sort of support um, service for them. And I'll, quite often I'll get calls, Sean, that, you know, and people call in and just say, I'm, I'm calling the Samaritans just to say I feel a lot better now. I spoke to a volunteer That's great. in this part, part of the country and I just want to call in and say, you know, I've, I've done this for the evening. I feel really settled now, and um, I'm, you know, really nice, uh, relaxed, simple call. And and they would say, you know, I'm just gonna, and it, you know, and it's uh, it's quite uplifting to be involved with an organisation that is really valued, and uh, yeah, liked by the majority of our callers. Yeah, so you, it makes a real difference to people's lives, and it's clear there yeah. that you get you get that feedback uh, sometimes from callers as well. I want to move on to um, the subject of suicide because it's really important. We uh, we have a a worrying amount of 
uh, people who do take their lives, um, mostly uh, younger men. Um, and Samaritans, one of Samaritans key, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One of their key strategies, if you like, is to prevent suicide. So you talked about in your first call, you had a, um, suicide in progress. Now I know the Samaritans don't just exist for suicide and you've touched on the types of calls you get, but that is one of the big elements of it. Is that something that comes across, um, or is it a type of call you get often? And when somebody who's suicidal, uh, does call up, how do you get to that point where you find out if they're suicidal? Um, and is that something that's particularly difficult to deal with? Yeah, generally, when callers call and are feeling suicidal, they're, they're, they're extremely emotional. There's uh, yeah, extreme, extreme upset. And very early, the majority of the calls I, I receive, they will, will announce that they feel suicidal. So then what we are trained to do, what we, how we handle the calls is that um, we look, it, it, it is a person-centered approach. So what we, we talk to callers about is what's triggered them to feel that way in the first instance. Um, we don't sort of dwell too much or um, inquire too much about sort of family circumstances because there is that risk that there's there's a situation where they feel responsible or guilty mm. in, that, in that situation. So what we, we we're sort of focusing on is is their is their emotional feelings at that time and and uh, the triggers around that. What we we talk about also is that whether it is a pattern of behaviour, whether they attempted to end their lives previously. Um, a really important and searching question for callers uh, we ask is, we generally ask uh, most of the time is, have you thought about what it would feel like to end your life? Mm. Because um, people in that, that um, desperate situation um, often feel it's very difficult to handle a relationship or, or their life at the, that moment in time but haven't really thought through the stages and processes and also we would talk about we, 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 we keep it very much in that subject matter around the suicide so mm. most of the calls we receive is that we generally find that it's it's a life situation that's um, or, or a number of life situations that have, have put them in that that state of mind. And, and what we, we generally ask there is, do you want to end the life you are living, or do you at this present time is this is this is this the situation you're faced with? And most people identify with that. It's just the life they're actually living at this present time. So then, what we try and explore is is time that they were feeling in, a, in a, a happier place where they didn't feel that at times so we talk about uh, periods of their life 
um, mm. where life was a lot a lot easier for them. They could manage life a lot more. Mm. And uh, and then we, we, we sort of explore maybe ways that they could look to get back to that, that type of area. Um, we don't totally ignore the, the, the triggers or the life, the, you know, the life circumstances that are brought them to that that point but it's a very self-centered approach around their emotions and feelings um and you know it's, it's very non-judgmental because if if you sort of develop the conversation around um the relationship issues or problems or work issues or problems um ex- you know externalize that mm-hmm. um you know, there can often be a risk that they there's some sort of accountability yeah, they 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 it just sort of adds some shame and guilt for the caller. Mm. Yeah, so you have an open and you have an open and honest discussion around their feelings of suicide, basically. Yeah, absolutely. One yeah. of the key yeah. parts of it, and you don't you don't talk anyone out of taking their own life, do you? Can you explain to our listeners why that is? Yes, the Samaritans have a unique uh, legal status that. Um, they uh, recognise everyone's right for self-determination. So we don't talk anyone out, out of suicide. So they have a very unique legal position there. So, um, you know, I've, I've had calls where callers have been on the line and they've already taken an overdose. Um, and at that stage, I would explain to them if they had a change of mind, that they would need to give me their full identifying details and then I can ring the emergency services but if that isn't the case then yeah we just continue the call we're there to support them until such time you know the line does go dead Mm. yeah self-determination it all rolls into that not giving advice as well that's not what the Samaritan's main thing is it's about listening to how people are feeling and respecting their choices Um, so that's 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 given uh, a really good flavour of um, how key it is to talk about suicide, um, and I think we don't talk about it enough in our society. Um, and the Samaritans are a huge organisation that, that deals with uh, suicide and suicidal uh, feelings. Do you? In your experience as a Samaritan, I'm really interested to hear this, but do you feel like there's a particular common type of caller in terms of age group, gender, or is it is it a huge mixture? Do you get all sorts of people calling? Or um, Because the reason I ask that, and I, I, I don't know whether it differs from uh, place to place, but when I was a Samaritan, if somebody had asked me that question... I would have probably answered that, yeah, it is quite wide varying. But one thing I noticed is I got quite a a lot of calls that I would say was down to loneliness and people that didn't have a huge amount of support network in their life. Um, Sometimes that was older people, but but just generally around loneliness, I felt like that was a big, big factor. Would you say that there's anything that you could identify as being a Samaritan that is something that you get a lot of what you've touched on sean is yeah i totally recognize that that, that is one of the main factors around you know, people wanting to end their lives um loneliness is a, is, is uh is a big factor 
and centered around that loneliness is that um, they've not been able people have not been able to establish close relationships with mm. family friends uh, colleagues where the Samaritans play a vital role is that um, it is a safe place for callers to call and talk about how they feel about aspects of life and how that you know these relationships uh, evolve and um, it's it's quite easy as a, as a listener to say yeah you know, we we do we do when we receive a call we do find some information about a caller's um, background you know mm. we try and find out if they got you know parents mm. um, brothers sisters mm. partners mm. Uh, just to get a flavour of of, of um, well just 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 more detailed information as to why. It is such an issue issue at that time, but um, often to be vulnerable and, and honest about those emotions and feelings, um, people that are close to our callers will have an emotional in, um, they'll be vested, so that you know, they will be emotionally affected by. So, so we often find that callers that if they may approach their their partners or or parents to say that they're struggling and um, you know they, they emotionally can't cope. Then the response from parents is that they you know they they can be quite it's quite natural to feel quite standoffish because they're emotionally invested. They love that person, mm. And mm. so they just need somebody that's there that's uh, is not connected in, in in any any sort of way really. Um, I would also say the majority of callers, there is still that um, balance of more females tend to call okay. than males. It's still, it's still that, that That's balance. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's still happening. Um, I, I would say since lockdown, uh, the numbers, the gap is, is shortening. I would say that is shortening. And we, we are now ten, yeah, absolutely. And and what we tend to get a lot of calls now um, into our service is people's lives have dramatically changed since since the lockdown. So mm. um, we have to deal with calls where there are three or four major life changing aspects in someone's life, so they could have lost their job. I mean. Um, my last shift, I, I, I had two or three calls where someone had lost their job, lost their partner, and they're about to lose their home. So you got three aspects there, and they had an underlying mental health condition before that. Mm. So mm. yeah, so it's quite it's it's, it's very wide ranging. Yeah, it is, um, and that's I'm glad you mentioned uh, COVID because. I, I'm going to assume, but you shouldn't assume, so I'm going to ask you, have you noticed that there's been an increase, quite a significant increase in callers over the uh, COVID period? Yes, absolutely. Call volumes have, uh, have gone through the roof. And um, a lot of the people we, we get now calling have never used our service before. Okay. Uh, so we're getting a lot of first-time callers. Okay. That's probably... Uh, in a, it's not good that obviously someone's struggling emotionally, but it's it's positive that they're using the service. Um, yeah, I thought that would be the case. I've got two 
final question for you, Mark, before we wrap up, because I do think, and I don't know whether you agree with me, but the Samaritans provide a wonderful service, but I do think that perhaps not enough people know that they exist or what they exist for. And you've given a really, really good overview of what they uh, exist for. And to be perfectly honest, we could probably talk about it for hours and hours. Um, but you've given a really good summary and overview of the kind of service Samaritans provide. So two final questions before we wrap up. So one of our, if one of our listeners was today considering being a Samaritan volunteer, what would you say to them? I would say go for it. The training that you receive is very comprehensive. Um, it's a, it's a great organisation to be involved with. Um, I look at the Samaritans as my second family, really. Um, it's it's a really rewarding role um, because you you help people in so so many different circumstances um, and situations. Um, on the other side, it's worth considering uh, your own emotional well-being if you want to be a Samaritan, mm-hmm. and also probably probably best to reflect on what your morals and principles are, and if you have certain prejudices as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably it's probably fair to say that you know. Um, we you know, we we're there for every caller to, to to give that service emotional support. So it's probably worth reflecting on those really uh, emotively challenging types of calls, where you know you could get somebody who's a paedophile that calls in, yeah. And how how you would react to that type of call? Would you you know would you would you be there openly? Um, I think that's a really important time. point. Yeah, because you have to talk to everyone and anyone pretty much when you're assuming so i think understanding that is important but the other thing i would say as well is that you also do get full training and support so you're not just thrown randomly in at the deep end you're given a lot of support so if it's something you feel you have the skill set for and you're good at listening to people and care about how people feel then it's worthwhile exploring listeners it really is worthwhile exploring and then final question mark there will be some people listening who are struggling emotionally and may be contemplating phoning samaritans what would you say to anyone who is contemplating phoning samaritans please do um it's it's uh, an environment where it's a non-judgmental environment um it's often said you know when you you talk about difficulties and troubles and your deepest uh, emotional problems that once you sort of get them out of that dark place um, it can be quite you know quite stress release um, quite often callers have reflected back to me that you know once you, you, you're in a, in, in a call callers often find a way and a, and a strategy to, to, to cope you know, it's just talking to somebody. Um, you know, when, when, when I'm a Samaritan's listener, it isn't just uh, um, a call where I'll be just arming and ahhing and saying yes. You know, there will be sort of 
pointers and, and, and you know, looking for callers to explain more about circumstances. Mm. Um, and also the, the great thing about Samaritans is it's not just restricted to one call. So if the problems, Absolutely. If, you feel in a di- if you feel in a difficult place, um, that same evening, just pick up the phone again, and you can pick up the phone again the next day. Yeah. Day afterwards, you know, when people are not restricted to, to the type of calls. And one thing I did forget to mention, actually, um, about our services, Sean, as well, we, we we have a dedicated line at the moment for NHS staff who are under a lot of you know strain and mm. and uh, large work commitments and emotional. Um, distress with with dealing with COVID nineteen, so we have like a dedicated service there as well. So mm. yeah, it's a it's a it's a really uh, you know, I'm going to be quite biased because I, I work as a Samaritan, but it's a wonderful service to, mm. to provide. Mm. You know. And anyone who calls up, you will not be judged at all. Um, yeah. We just explore you, your emotions and feelings will be explored, and and you're given the time to talk about what you want and in a you know in a in a way that you want to talk about it so you're not pressured in any way either so yeah it's been really really helpful and useful um samaritans are an invaluable service and before i say thank you and goodbye mark and i don't mean to put you on the spot but could you just tell us what the samaritans um telephone number is of course it's 116-123 and the calls are not time limited, so you, you could be 30 minutes, it could be two hours, so it could be you know, as long as you like. So for anyone who phone in, it's 116123? That's correct. 116123, and you can also email the Samaritans at, remind me Mark, what's the email? Oh, uh, joe at samaritans.org.uk. Yeah, joe at samaritans.org.uk. So... Please, if anyone's struggling out there and you want a non-judgmental uh, ear, someone to listen to that, you know, perhaps perhaps you don't feel comfortable talking to friends or family, the Samaritans are there for you. So thank you for that, Mark. I really appreciate it. It's been uh, really, really interesting and intriguing. And uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Sean, and thank you for having me on. Excellent. Good night. Yeah, take care.